And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Ian Hayworth from The Daily Wire. It's always a good time talking to Ian. And uh, if you like today's show and you want to hear another conversation uh, between Ian and I, check out his show, The Ian Hayworth Show, uh, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. I was a guest on his show yesterday. So if you want more of me and Ian, uh, you're in luck. <laughs> I can make that happen for you. Uh, guys, uh, before I get to Ian, uh, please follow us on Twitter at no gimmicks, no gimmicks Pod to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Please subscribe. Uh, and uh, if you're on iTunes, guys, give us a five-star rating and a good review. It really helps us out. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, good to speak to you two days in a row. It's exciting. Absolutely. So for anybody who missed it, uh, I was on Ian's show uh, yesterday. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you like what you're hearing today uh, and, and want more of it, um, you can hear a lot more of this conversation on, on Ian's podcast from yesterday. So definitely check that out. Um, dude, so we obviously have a lot to get to, as always. But uh, before we get to, like, the real news of the week, a bunch of dorks on Reddit just broke wall street <laughs> like we have to and i don't really understand the intricacies fully but like we, we just have to mention this um so just brief overview gamestop has been one of the most shorted stocks out there uh for good reason they're a failing company um so a bunch of folks over on on the on the uh subreddit uh wall street bets which is a, this huge stock market related subreddit it's you know millions and millions of views a day um they started buying crazy amounts of shares of of GameStop at like two bucks, three bucks a share. Elon Musk got involved and tweeted about how he likes GameStop. Um, Ian, they artificially took GameStop's stock price from around four bucks a share to over three hundred fifty dollars a share in the last forty eight hours. And all these jackasses on Reddit are now all millionaires. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of upset people in Wall Street who have been basically gamed by the system because from what i can tell nothing nothing illegal has been done i haven't really been following that closely but it's kind of unbelievable you look at some of these graphs and the way it's just a vertical line out of nowhere a struggling company my, my main worry though is um i know we were chatting about this before we started i hope people don't jump on this l like late hoping to yeah. to keep like these things spike and crash like we've seen it with bitcoin for example if you don't get on the train early don't get on the train is usually my my thought with this but it's pretty amazing just to watch something so out of left field happen and i don't think a lot of people know what to do about it i think there are a lot of people scratching their heads in wall street right right now right now yeah i, I saw i forget who, who said it this morning on twitter but uh they, they made the analogy of from uh that disney movie a bug's life where the ants <laughs> the ants realize that they're more powerful than the grasshoppers or, or i think the grasshoppers right mm -hmm. i don't know it's been a long time since <laughs> I've seen that movie, but it's like the the biggest hedge funds on earth were no match for a bunch of dudes with memes. <laughs> like 
it is just <laughs> what an amazing time to be alive, man. I mean, you, you just you love to see it. And you're absolutely right. I, I didn't buy any chairs at GameStop. Obviously, I missed the boat on that. Um, which is sad, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> jumping in now. <laughs> I think uh, these kind of things you really gotta get in on the ground floor. But like, I'm sure the FCC will try to like so do something to crack down on this. But like you said, there's nothing illegal about buying shares of a company, you know. So it's like theoretically, these guys on Wall Street bets can keep doing this over and over until you know, I don't know, the FCC or they they pass some kind of regulation stopping them i i don't see why they're not going to do this over and over at least in the in the near future well i think that's the thing it's kind of funny when it's a one-off and it's a company that was struggling and it's kind of a company that everyone doesn't really have a problem with but then you could easily see struggling companies trying to pad their own prices so that people can cash out and leave i could easily see some big corporations for example if they know they're going down the toilet artificially padding their own worth, trying to get these viral things going. So I, I think something's going to need to be done because you could easily see how this could explode into something really quite ominous. But I think we can enjoy it for what it is. And the fact it's GameStop and everyone, especially if you're of a certain generation, everyone has reasonably fond memories of GameStop. It's kind of, it's just funny at this point. I think you've just got to sit back and laugh sometimes. Yeah, it would, it, it would get weird if it was like a company with government contracts. <laughs> like, like, a like a Northrop Grumman or something, you know, like the the next version of Halliburton, right, or whatever. Uh, it could get a, uh, it could get a, uh, it could get real sketchy real quick, I think. But, um, so look, man, I, one thing we need to mention on the show today, uh, recently on this show, I have not had any good news to talk about, and I don't think we, on your show yesterday, I don't think we really mentioned anything positive. I think it was all, nope. it was all bad. <laughs> Um, pl plenty of bad news to talk about, and unfortunately, we're going to get a lot more over the next four years, I think. But we do have a bit of good news to report uh, this week. Um, two Democrats, uh, both Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, have gone on the record um, and said they are not willing to eliminate the legislative filibuster under any circumstances. Cinema's um, statement said she is unwilling to change her mind. <laughs> her, mm -hmm. her press secretary said that bluntly. So. I don't know, man, that the Republic survives another day. Absolutely. I mean, I, that's what we've got to remember, though, is that it is just another day because right. 2022, there's going to be more seats up. 2024, there's going to be more seats up. This is a long term goal for the left. So I think it's a, a small victory. I think we should celebrate it. I think we can take a sigh of relief that the entire system isn't going to be redefined to their benefit. But at the same time, we've got to realize this is a long-term goal for them, and so it has to be a long-term fight for us. We can't just rely on having a handful of Democrats who remain rooted in reality. Eventually, they may be voted out and replaced by people like in Georgia, for example. Like you've got John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, who, especially Warnock, are just insanely radical. So you get enough people like that in the Senate, we're not going to have this kind of fallback option that long. So, yeah, very encouraging, but I think people need to especially Republicans and people in the GOP need to wake up and that we've got to start pushing back and not going on offense, I think, in the way that people are saying, oh, inciting violence. But I think we've got to realize we can't just sit back and rely on some of these moderate Democrats or Republicans with a D next to their name, because that won't last. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, this this uh, I mean, it, you, we survive. <laughs> we, we survive yeah. another day. It's not a. We, you definitely can't take your foot off the gas, though, obviously. And I look, I, I just don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if people realize what Mansion and Cinema are doing here, how important this really is. Mm -hmm. And, and not, not to go too overboard, but I really, I truly believe 
that if these two, uh, and it comes down to just two of them, right? Just Manchin <laughs> and Cinema, they're the last reasonable Democrats left. But if they got on board with the left's agenda, I think, I, I really do believe if, if, if the left got rid of the legislative filibuster, it sets us down a path that ends the republic in short order. I, I, and I know that sounds pretty extreme, but I think we'd be looking at secession at some point in the next five years. I mean, half the country just isn't going to sit there and let the hard left and the press destroy everything that, that makes this nation great. I mean, as, as weak and pathetic as, as Americans generally have been, especially in the last year during this pandemic, I, I still, I still don't see Texas and Kentucky and Alabama standing by and letting the Democrats add D.C. and, and Puerto Rico as states and pack the mm-hmm. Supreme Court and pass, you know, quote unquote, domestic terrorist laws, which make being a conservative illegal. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't I don't think they would have stand by and, and, and let that happen. I don't I don't think a lot of people realize how close to the edge we are right now and how important this decision by those two senators truly is. So I don't mean to cause you any stress or worry, but I actually think <laughs> that you your confidence makes sense with America as it is right now. But again, the left and the Democrats are very focused on long-term gains. That's the goal when, you, when you're a collectivist and not an individualist. You don't really care about individuals. And so it doesn't matter if something takes five years, 10 years. That's why the Soviets always talked about 10-year plans. It didn't really matter. They have a long-term goal, which is to really tear apart a lot of the institutions that makes America unique and the system of government unique. And that doesn't really matter how long it takes for them. And part of that is going to be making these redder than red states purple and then edging towards blue. We're, we're seeing that in Texas. I know Texas is still red, but over, I mean, Beto O'Rourke came reasonably close to winning a Senate seat there. Yeah. If you give it, say, 10, 15 years, especially with Biden talking about immigra- um, the immigration reforms of just giving 11 million people the vote out of nowhere with obvious the obviously the expectation that comes <laughs> with votes in return, you could see a lot of these redder than red states becoming purple. And then suddenly it's not so easy. You haven't just got an entire entire red state that says, no, I'm not going to go along with this nonsense. It's very hard to fracture within communities and even on the state level. And so I could see if, if say, today they instituted a lot of these changes, I could easily see Texas, Alabama, these kind of states saying, no, I'm not, not even an unofficial rejection of it. It's like, well, we're not going to declare we're our own nation, but we're just not going to go along with this. Ten years' time, 15 years' time, I'm not so confident. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to argue with that. Um, with the With the demographic changes and everything, I, it's— you know, a lot of people do believe a state like Texas, especially uh, since Biden's going to let, you know, whatever, 11, 12 million illegal aliens vote here uh, in short order. Uh, yeah, what, 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 do, what do the Republicans do to combat that? I mean, I think if, if the left is successful in, in flipping Texas, which I think eventually they will be, right? Um, but it, not, not as quickly as they think. I mean, they think, cause, I mean, the left, the Democrats are pretty darn racist. And the way they view minorities, they think that all Hispanics are just automatically going to vote Democrat. And it's just not true. I mean, something like 45 percent, 40, 45 percent of Hispanics in Texas vote Republican, as opposed to like 10 percent of Hispanics in mm-hmm. California. And, you know, something like 55 percent of Hispanics in, in Florida vote Republican. So it's like, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously we're not collectivists. We do see people as individuals. So it's like, you know, not all Hispanics are, are, are all the same, vote the same. But. I do think Texas is trending that way. I think the Republicans are going to have to 
you know, to combat that really solidify the Midwest. And I think they're going to have to use the Democrats' war on energy, on fracking and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I think over the long term, we can use the left's insane energy policies to like not nothing's permanent, but, you know, to establish Republican majorities in, you know, purple slash blue states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, maybe even Illinois, eventually Wisconsin, you know, and so that shift could um, could combat, you know, could counterbalance, you know, a Texas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just never know. You never know how things are going to shake down in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like like people I, I've mentioned this before, like people forget West Virginia was one of the bluest states in the country. I mean, West Virginia went blue every four years for like 50-something years, and it was actually a shock in 2000 when George Bush beat Al Gore in West Virginia, that that was actually shocking. So, like, you, you just never know what, what the states are going to look like demographically and, and otherwise down the road. Well, I think there are so many things to consider here. I think, first, that the part that worries me is the sudden movement of people that's occurring for two reasons. Firstly, that California and places like New York are absolute garbage heaps, but also that COVID has really lit a fire under the arse of working from home and working remotely. And so you're seeing an absolute wave of people leaving states like California and New York for states that are cheaper to live. So like Tennessee, for example, Texas, Florida, there are a lot of people moving. People are like kidding themselves if they think that their politics aren't going to follow them. And so we are about to see a real shift in the next couple of years of sudden blue influxes into places like Tennessee, places like Texas, when people are moving from California. And so the GOP, I think, need to stop being lazy. Honestly, this all comes down to laziness with the GOP. They've always relied on these surer-than-sure red states just to give them a base, and then it's just a matter of winning a handful of states here and there. The Democrats can always rely on California. They can always rely on New York. So that's a huge amount of electoral votes just off the bat. Republicans do not have that luxury, and I think you're completely right. I think the Midwest is right for the taking, especially with the energy crisis, as you said, Joe Biden in his first couple of days destroying a lot of um, energy industries there. But we also need to be learning from what Trump did in that I think Trump was the first Republican in a very long time to really step away from the identity politics stuff in a good way and speak directly to different communities that I think Republicans are either too scared or too feckless to, to talk to and say, look, I don't care about the rate, the racial stuff of the past. I don't care about the entity politics. You know, and I know that people are individuals, but he still reached out to communities, which past Republicans haven't done. It's almost like, well, I assume everyone's an individual, so I don't need to speak to these communities. And then, of course, it just leaves them open just to be dominated by Democratic politicians for decades on end, because they're the only ones who want to go into these communities. And then you have people like um, Kim Klasik, for example, who play on identity politics in exactly the same way the Democrats do. And then that damages it even further because it's not about identity politics is nonsense, which I think could be a winning point for Republicans. It's identity politics are bad when the Democrats do it, but they're fine when I do it. And I think the GOP need to make a very intentional decision to run with what Trump did when it comes to identity politics. I think this is something he got 100% right because otherwise the Democrats are going to start winning more and more states and we're going to find ourselves really holding nothing at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and your distinction between like Trump's tactic and somebody like Kim Klasik, obviously, that, I mean, that is that is definitely a distinction worth making. Um, and and honestly, I think a lot of Trump's success in terms of identity politics is just he wasn't worried about people calling him a racist. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just he realized that 
the left was going to call him Hitler, was going to call him a Nazi, was going to call him racist no matter what, because he's a white Republican, and all white Republicans— Shoot, man. I mean, black yeah. Republicans get called racist, too. I mean, look what they say to, <laughs> to, you know, Tim Scott, for instance. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, you just can't be worried about that. You know, you, you have to speak to these different groups of people. Who cares if CNN calls you a racist? Like when Trump stood in the ruins of what used to be Detroit, Michigan, a city that I love. I live 40 minutes from Detroit. I go to Detroit all the time. Uh, it's a great town. He stood in, in the rubble that used to be Detroit. And said, what What the heck do people have to lose? You know, try voting for me. Everybody called him racist. You know who didn't call him racist? The citizens of Detroit that voted for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he won Michigan. He won Michigan in 2016. Like, that, they, I mean, if, you, if you're a black guy living in Detroit and you've seen your city fall apart over the last few decades and Trump actually calls it like it is, I mean, they, they didn't think Trump was racist for saying that. There was nothing racist about that. He was just calling a spade a spade. You know what I mean? And that's what we have to do. We can't be afraid of what CNN, what Brian Stelter is going to say about us. You know. Well, I also think it's a moral issue of you have a duty if you're if you're in politics or if you do what you and I do, which is to kind of say what we think for a living. You have a duty to push back against the immoral crap that is just accusing anyone you don't like of being racist. So yes, it's it's politically important that Trump did that. But it's also morally important because otherwise you just concede the premise to the left that they are the arbiters of what is and isn't racist. And yeah. that's what that's why we can't ever have someone like Mitt Romney again no. or even John McCain, because when it comes down to it, characters like that, while they have some positive elements, they are physically and mentally weak when it comes to that fundamental battle of who holds the real power, who has the power to say you are a good person, you are a bad person. And I am sick and tired of the GOP giving that to the left with nothing but a whimper. And that can never happen again, because if we they've learned their lesson from Trump, they realize how close they came to really being set back a long time. They're going to be really buttoning down the hatches with this one. And I think the next GOP leader has to build on those steps that Trump made. How about we trade Mitt Romney for Kirsten Cinema? Who says no? <laughs> Let's do it every day. I'd take I don't that think trade. anyone would be against that. <laughs> I, I'd take that trade every day of the week, man. Any day of the week. So Anthony Fauci, who apparently uh, people keep telling me that he's a doctor. I, I mean, I think he's a doctor in the same way Julius Irving is a doctor or the same way Dr. Pepper is a doctor, something like that. He certainly is not a real doctor. But now he's suggesting that we wear two masks anytime we leave our house. Two masks. Amazing. We went from don't wear a mask at all because masks don't work to be a sociopath and wear two masks. In, in, in record speed. Amazing stuff. Great stuff from Anthony Fauci. I mean, it, it's parody at this point, isn't it? There's really not much you can say. What's so frustrating is that Anthony Fauci has single-handedly done such immeasurable and really irredeemable damage to public trust in the medical community at large. Yes. Like, he is a political figure masquerading as an objective scientist. And it's quite clear the way he's suddenly come out really in favor of Biden changing his tune to whatever the Biden administration needs. But there are plenty of objective scientists out there who have come out and been fair and considered and given an argument based on data and then called for politicians and other policymakers to take that into account. And they've often been silenced. I mean, you've seen the media shut down. Like the, um, I believe it's called the Great Barrington Declaration, for example. There are so many objective scientists out there who are being really diminished in terms of their authority on the matter because of someone like Anthony Fauci, who has just made himself to be a celebrity. 
I mean, the amount of time he he found to be on magazine covers while there was a pandemic ravaging the world and how quickly he's attempting to crawl back up the arse of the WHO, who are just run by China, is really tells you everything you need to know. But two masks, I'm not surprised. Why not three? Why not stop there? Why don't we just wrap ourselves in a sarang wrap and just live that way? CNBC ran a piece yesterday where they suggested that we should all wear three masks. Three. <laughs> I mean, they put a graphic on on their screen, on air, that, that wearing two masks is 75% effective, but three masks might be 90% effective. Obviously, they're just pulling those numbers out of thin air because no, nobody is stupid enough to wear two or three masks at the same time. But look, I mean, these people are not actually telling you to wear two masks or three masks or four masks. They're, just insul- they're insulting your intelligence. I mean, that's it. Like, no, they're just telling you that they hate you and that they hate mm-hmm. your family. They're just seeing if you will do ridiculous things for their own entertainment. I mean, they're honestly. Also, they're also just shilling for Biden. All of this is to move the goalposts because Biden came in promising he was going to end COVID. He was going to follow the science. Uh, the disaster of the Trump science. administration was over. The science, whatever that means. None of them could define science if you paid them. Yeah, not but science. Now it's, it's the science, not, not science. <laughs> And it makes sense if it's on a sticker or a T-shirt right. or something. But now it's all about changing the narrative. And that involves suddenly, oh, we don't really know what we can do. Biden coming out saying there's nothing we can do in the next couple of months. This is all a big ploy just to add mystery and a sense of unknown and to move the blame away from Biden after he placed all the blame on Trump. No one really knows about the masks stuff because no one has an honest conversation about masks. No one says where they get this data from. No one says the difference between a cloth mask and a medical mask and a filtered mask, all of which have different impacts. I mean, you, you see people walking around all the time with a bandana wrapped around the top of their face, just open at the bottom. It's like, okay, are you seriously arguing that that is an effective means of protection against anything? I mean, a bandana looks way cooler than a stupid mask, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die. Look cool doing it. Yeah, man. So it's just, it's all ridiculous, and I think, Obviously, I do place some blame on, on Trump on this because I think the Republicans had an opportunity to be the adults in the room and Trump blew that. But the way the Democrats have been, again, by the media, just being given the authority in all matters to do with science when they couldn't, they, I doubt they could do basic math, honestly, some of the things they put forward. But we we just allow them this premise that they are the scientific ones. They are following the science. And no one is saying, what science? Show me the science. Because there isn't any. No. I, look, is there is there any chance that we're just in a giant episode of Impractical Jokers? <laughs> like, do those three annoying hack comics have an earpiece in Fauci's ear, and they're like, tell them to wear two masks, <laughs> and they're just, like, losing their shit in the back? I mean, like, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, all right, one more thing. One, one, more, uh, one more thing I need to mention, Ian, before I let you go. Um and I, I just loved this yesterday. This this was the, the lead on in every cable news program all day yesterday. The left is at it with, with a straw man. I should say uh, specifically the press is at it again with, with its straw manning of Republicans. Um, Joe Biden said he wants to restart the process of replacing Andrew Jackson with Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill, which I think is terrific, by the way. Um, replacing a racist Democrat with a gun-carrying Republican. I mean, sign me up. But <laughs> but th- this is the press's reaction, right? Here, here's, here's a headline from the Washington Post. Quote, transgender ban lifted. Tubman on the 20. It's a hard time for conservatives. Unquote. <laughs> okay, now either the writer, I, I didn't even catch the guy's name, who cares? 
but th- this writer's either the dumbest person on the face of the earth, one. Two, they've never met a conservative before. Or three, and I, I find this to be the likeliest scenario, they just make their living lying about Republicans. <laughs> so um, apparently you mentioned before the show you, you do know one conservative who prefers Andrew Jackson over Harriet Tubman. But I, I've not met a single or seen a <laughs> single conservative or Republican or anybody on the right who prefers Andrew Jackson to Harriet Tubman. Um because of course, <laughs> so I mean, just the straw manning, man. It, it never mm-hmm. ends. Well, there's there's a few issues with it, right? Of firstly, there are very few conservatives who are objectively against replacing Andrew Jackson with Harriet Tubman. Just on its on its face, that issue is not really a debate. There are some people who would disagree, perhaps, but no one is going to be really that upset if that change is made. I think it would be a great change. I think it should have be been done already. But to compare those two issues. I think as an intentional act to stir Republicans up into a bit of a frenzy online. It's it's a bit of a you know a bait for it's them. Bait. Yeah. And again, as you said, to straw man. So to to compare a transgender ban, which firstly it's not a ban. It's not it's a ban. Quite... It, yeah. Just just to clarify, like there was no transgender ban in the military. There are transgender mm-hmm. people in the military. The ban meant that you can't sign up for the military just to get the dick removal surgery paid for by the taxpayers. I don't know what the surgery's called. That's what I'm calling it. Call me a bigot. I don't care. And so that, that, that was the ban. Swing by Brady Leonard's surgery today, your dick removal surgery. Yeah, the, the dick removal. You, you, can't, you can't join the military and be like, hey, now that I'm in, now that I signed the contract, now the taxpayers have to take my dick off. Okay. So anyway, that was the ban that Trump gave. There was never a ban on transgender people serving their country. Of course not. But yeah, just to clarify. Well, also, it's, it's a complex issue, which people on the left are just intent on ignoring. Like, firstly, the whole issue of transgenderism is, is quite a complex issue because it is a mental disorder up until a few minutes ago when they suddenly decided this is all completely normal. And there are a whole host of other mental-related issues that um, prevent you from serving in the military. And so to pretend that this one just overnight isn't one to consider anymore, it's not for me or you to say who can and cannot serve in the military, for example. It's up to the military. I mean, people in the military do things I could never imagined doing. I think they deserve immeasurable amounts of respect, but we can't pretend that serving the military is not a right. It's a privilege that is afforded to you by the military. And so the way the left all speak as if these two things are in any way the same of arguing over who goes on a banknote and a very complex piece of policy that is related to national defense. It's just a joke. Um, But that's how that's what they do with everything, right? They always they do the same thing with like the Muslim ban, for example, which wasn't a ban that Obama had almost identical policy. They do it with bathroom bans when they say, oh, children aren't being allowed to go to school, when, of course, that's not the case. This is what they do. They strawman us. They conflate two completely disparate issues and often just debate us into a frenzy, and then they can do the Republicans pounce nonsense. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And you you, you mentioned this, and, and it is worthy of, of note that there there are a lot of things that, that ban people from serving in the, the United States military. I mean, like, I, I'm a healthy, relatively fit 31-year-old man, and there's two things, two conditions that I have that prevent me from serving in the military. One, I have an anxiety disorder, and two, I'm hypoglycemic, which means if I— if I don't eat food every three hours or so, my blood sugar will spike, will dip, and I'll pass out. So both of those both those issues ban me from serving in the military. So it's like there are lots of issues, you know, much less extreme than you know transgender or, or you know 
uh, body dysmorphia or, or anything like that. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of bans on military service. I, you know, the left likes to focus on one of them. But you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's funny, like... It, it's funny to try to predict like what they're going to try to straw man us with next because most of them are really entertaining, you know. <laughs> you know, but uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to predict. I I, I never would have, you know, I I didn't see the the Andrew Jackson Harriet Tubman thing coming. I didn't think they would try to turn that on the right. But I mean, wasn't it a Republican lawmaker that proposed that originally? I want to say I can't, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure, but. Also, remember, this is part of a greater strategy, which is to make everything seem boring. I mean, Brian right. Stelter was wobbling on TV saying how great it is. Everything is boring again. That's the goal. That's the stories they'll focus on. While Biden is doing crazy things with his right hand, they're going to be focusing on the boring things he's doing with his left. It's part of a scheme just to make Trump relevant still, because every time Biden's criticized, they can say, oh, well, at least it's calm. At least think, you know, the house is burning down every day. I think Brian Stelter literally said, like, every day was not like 9-11. <laughs> it's, oh, gosh. What is in his morning Cheerios? I do not know. But the man is, is insane. But that's, that's the plan, right? It's just to dismiss all legitimate concerns, all legitimate criticisms. Like Peter, um, Peter Ducey from Fox News asking Biden a more than legitimate question. Like, what did you speak to Vladimir Putin about? And Biden just like snaps at him, say, "Oh, you, ha ha ha!" And all the reporters laugh. Like we are. What if, tr- dude? Oh, I know we're gonna say this every five seconds for the next four years, but what if Trump said that to a reporter after talking oh. to Vladimir Putin? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It would have been Nagasaki on CNN. <laughs> okay. I mean, they would be exploding. I mean, they would just like be spontaneously combusting live on air. And dude, look if. If these journos, if they actually are, are there for for four years under Trump, were, was their collective blood pressure like one ninety five over one sixty for four years? Like if they <laughs> if if they honestly thought that every single day of Trump's presidency was like nine eleven, it's like these people must have been <laughs> absolutely miserable, like just losing their mind twenty four seven. They can't eat, they can't sleep, you know. Their wives can't stand them, their kids can't look at them. My gosh, it must have been a, a weird way to live for four years. I think they're one of two people, right? Because I knew a lot of people living out here in California who had their blood pressure through the roof for four years. They they thought it was a, a living nightmare that they were experiencing. But then on the other hand, there are a lot of people on the left who are incredibly cynical, who knew that none of this was that big a deal, but who would just use it for right. politicization methods. And I think that's a lot of people in the media. I think they know their audience are impressionable emotionally. And so they just play up to this panic-inducing fever <laughs> fever dream that they <laughs> built for everyone. And now it's like, now that Biden is in, we can go back to the calm and the dignity of the Obama administration where you can drone people during weddings and the biggest, the biggest scandal is that you wore a tan suit again. I mean, what good times. Right. I think it's probably, if I had to guess, I'd say it's 50-50. You know, which members of the press are actually, mm-hmm. they believe their own nonsense and half of them know they're just trying to manipulate people i, I don't know I'd, I'd give it about 50 percent evil 50 percent stupid what do you think if you had to put a percentage on it oh, i i could all, <laughs> i'd almost be willing to go for both can i just have like <laughs> stupid and scared <laughs> yeah. and cynical and just all of the emotions combined i i think it's um i don't have the science at hand i don't want to do an anti-fauci and just pull a percentage out of my ass so let's go with both <laughs> <laughs> that's a, 
It's a fair point. It's just when you mentioned, I, I had totally forgotten that, and I forget who said it, but I forget. It was somebody on CNN. I can't remember who. It wasn't Stelter. It was somebody else um, that, uh, that, <laughs> that compared every day of Trump's presidency to 9-11. And it's like, that's just a funny thought. Like, imagine just redlining it for four years. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just, you're just at 11 all the time, man. You know what I mean? Like, holy crap. Like, I don't know how they made it. I don't know how they survived. Well, that's the thing. Like, you and I are not going to enjoy the next four years, but it's not going to ruin our lives like no. it seemed to ruin theirs. Like, my life is going to carry on. I'm going to have <laughs> a normal time outside of politics. It's strange just how invested they are. Like, this is the entirety of their meaning and their self-value. What an odd thing to uh, to tie your self-worth to. Politics, right? <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden. A 700-year-old man. Yeah. Your entire self-worth is wrapped up in an octogenarian corrupt dude from Delaware. My goodness. Ian, my brother, uh, it's always a good time. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. And, guys, please, if you uh, like what you're hearing, go check out Ian's podcast from yesterday featuring yours truly. I think you really enjoy that, too. Uh, where can everybody check out that podcast and your other show, uh, The Truth in 60 Seconds? Where can everybody follow you and read your stuff and all that good stuff? Yes, you can find me on social media. All my handles are the same. It's I-G-H-A-W-O-R-T-H. So that's I-G Howarth. And then the same for my websites, com. You can find links to podcasts. I think, Brady, you've been on uh, two or three times now, so definitely go check those out. And you can find links to all of the written work I've done there. So, yeah, anywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, hopefully I won't get banned on Twitter again. You can find me there. <laughs> well, for now, everybody follow Ian. Uh, he's great. <laughs> That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.